Well, hey, good morning. All right, well, Pastor Virgil stole some of my thunder. Uh, my name is Pastor Tyler. If I haven't got to meet you, I uh, am the pastor to students and families here at FSN and uh, just love being on staff here. Uh, if you're new, um, then you wouldn't know this, but this is our first uh, week in our new series, FSN at the Movies. It's something we do every year um, where we just kind of look at movies, some movies that really stick out to us and talk about kind of where we see God at work in them and how. We can apply that to our lives, and I hope my iPad works. There we go. Sweet. Uh, Technology's awesome, isn't it? But I am. I'm excited to get to be the first one to kick this series off. Uh, as you go out the foyer, make sure to guess out of the three remaining movies who is speaking about what movie, and we'll see if you're right. There's no prize at all, but maybe you'll feel good if you got it right. <laughs> but uh, you're going to get to hear from each of us, and uh, the movie that I am doing uh, is this movie. Uh, I can only imagine who has seen it. Most of us, if you haven't seen it, um, go, go rent it or buy it. It comes out this week. Uh, it's a great movie. It really is. Um, there's like, it's weird, though. I think all the movie cases have dust in them because when you watch the movie, some stuff comes out of your eyes. It's super, super weird. So just be prepared. We took a group of students to it, and afterwards, I'm like, it's awkward. But it was great. It's a great movie. <laughs> it really is. Um, but... Um, if you have seen it, and if you were here um, a couple weeks ago when I got to preach, um, I'll just tell you, this message is a lot different than last one. Um, this is really a, a different message for me to preach. Um, I have been kind of wrestling with the Lord about it. Um, I mean, last the last sermon I got to preach was, I got to talk about toilet paper. It was awesome. We had a lot of fun. Um, and this is really, um, I did, uh, this is really more of a testimony, and so um, a little bit more. Uh, nervous than usual. Uh, I believe God spoke in first service and I want him to speak today. I believe this. I believe that all of us are here today for a reason. And that reason is because God loves you so much. He loves me so much that he's brought us here to say something to us that can totally change our lives. And so would you pray with me as we get started? God, thank you so much for today. Father, I pray for everyone here. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. God, I believe you brought us here because you love us, because you want to talk to us you have something to say. And so, God, we say this time is yours. God, we're open to hear from you. Lord, I pray right now for myself, God, as I preach a message that's not an easy one to preach, God, that you would be glorified and honored. God, that today when we leave in a little bit, people would not have heard from me, but that you would hide me behind the cross and we would hear from you today. You are so incredibly good to us, God. We love you so much. We give you this time. It's your name that we pray. Everybody says, amen, amen. All right. Well, hey, to start this, uh, we're going to watch the trailer. So watch this trailer with me. When I was uh, 10, 11 years old, life was tough. And I found some songs that I just, man, I, I held on to. And they got me through. They gave me hope. Because I needed it. Maybe tonight, so do you. Dad, why don't you come watch me sing? Dreams don't pay the bills. You're not ready. I don't think you found your song, found your soul. Let that pain become your inspiration. And you'll have something that people can believe in. My dad was a monster. And I saw God transform him from a man that I hated to the man I wanted to become. 
So if you haven't seen it, now you've seen basically the movie. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's awesome. I, I really love it. I really want you guys to go watch it this week. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, it tells a story behind the song. I can only imagine who has heard the song. I can only imagine good amount of us. Yeah, it's actually a really crazy story. The song was written by this band uh, called Mercy Me. Bart Millard is their lead singer. Um, and this song came out of nowhere and became the, the highest uh, grossing Christian song of all time. And it's just a really neat story. It tells the story of how Bart's life was changed. Um, he, his parents separated when he was young. And his dad was an abusive alcoholic, and um, he got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And as he was dying, he gave his life to the Lord and just had a total transformation. And so today we're going to talk about a transformation like that, a transformation from death to life. And so if you have uh, a copy of God's Word on your phone or a paper copy, turn with me to John chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 1. And this is what it says. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Picking it up in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So they stay where they are. They do the work that they're doing. And then they wait two days. And a bunch happens in there in the verses in between. And then in verse 17, this is what it says. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus gets this word, this person that obviously means a lot to him, this person that is known as the one you love is sick. And Jesus does something different than what I think most of us would do. He waits. He doesn't just wait a day, he waits two days. After hearing his friend is very sick. And then they get to Bethany, they get to Lazarus' hometown. And when they get there, they find something out. They find out that they're not even just a little bit late, they are tragically late. In fact, Lazarus hasn't even just passed away. He's been dead for four days. He's been buried for four days, the Bible tells us. So I want you to think about this story. We're going to look at it a little bit more as we go back to the movie for a minute. In the movie, uh, Bart's dad, like I said, is an awful, abusive alcoholic. And throughout his childhood, Bart struggles with this. He struggles with trying to stay out of reach of his father. He struggles with trying to do everything he can to not set his dad off, to, to not cause any more of this or that. And, and then when he's about 11, he gets invited by a friend to go to church camp. 
And there at camp during that week, he comes to know Christ. And then through a series of events, uh, his dreams change. He has a dream. His dad was a college football star at, I think it was SMU. And so his dream is to follow his dad. But his junior year of high school in practice, he gets very badly hurt. Can't ever play football anymore. So he takes the only elective left, which is music class, choir class. And in the midst of that, his teacher finds out that he has this gift for music, that he's got a beautiful voice, he's a great singer. And so she convinces him to showcase his talents in the musical at school. And he does really well, and so he he goes from this boy that did good at the musical to this man as he's growing up, and, and he realizes he has this gift, and he wants to use it for God's glory. So he creates, he gets this part of this band and they kind of do some, they kind of start to get some notoriety. They play at some church camps and they are doing some music. And then they get a really huge opportunity. They get an opportunity to go and audition for some of the biggest record labels in Nashville. And uh, they try out and it doesn't really go bad, but it doesn't really go good. They're kind of just average. And their agent tells Bart that the labels have passed, that they just don't feel like they're good enough or they're ready. And so let's see the conversation that happens between Bart and the band's agent. Can I come in or you want to sulk a little longer? So, you just going to quit? that it? You got a better idea? I'm tired, man. I'm I'm going to be honest with you, like I told you I would be. Sometimes when you're up there, it's like you're singing somebody else's music. It's like a fake imitation. I don't believe it. I don't believe you. Well, this has gone from bad to worse. (laughs) But then there are times when I see something real. I see something authentic. But as soon as it shows up, it's like you're afraid, and and then it vanishes just as quick as it came. And that's what makes you a puzzle to me. Let me ask you something, Bart. What are you running from? My dad. He, uh, he... He beat you, didn't he? You ain't got no poker face, kid. And I carry that. I have to live with that, you know? I always will. Then write about it. Stop running from it. Let that pain become your inspiration. And then you'll have something that people can believe in. But to do that, you've got to face your fears, son. You know, Bart, I may not always believe in your music, but I do believe in you. You sold me, kid. Don't quit. So for the first time, Bart admits something. He admits that he's not okay, that there are things that he's been carrying around that really affect him. Then he takes a big risk. He, he decides to entrust that pain to somebody else. And then he, he has this opportunity. He can embrace that pain and, 
and allow God to heal him and let God take what man intended for evil to use for good. Or he can pretend it isn't there. And so that's where we come to today. For the last few months, um, as a staff, we've been talking about this series and praying about the series and I'm trying to figure out what movies we're going to do. And uh, the rest of the staff uh, can tell you this. Um, we all are super excited about this series. Um, we'll do it again next year, hopefully. Uh, but as we would talk about what movie we're going to do, uh, I was constantly, which this is also kind of my thing, if, if we ever go out to eat, if you ever take me out to eat, you won't know this unless you take me, so you're welcome to invite me out to eat. But like, if I have a menu and it's got more than three things on it, I'm like, oh, that looks good. No, that looks good. So I struggle to make up my mind. Um, but I would come up with different ideas for movies, and I'd be like, what do you guys think about this? And like, eh, or they'd be like, yeah, that sounds okay. And I'm like, what about this? I'm like, okay. Um, but just nothing felt right. You know, I just knew that none of those were working. Uh, I still do hope someday to get to do Tombstone. Anybody else a fan of Tombstone? <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm going to start quoting movies and get lost. Um, but uh, ever since uh, this movie came out, Man, I just knew this was a movie God wanted me to speak about. And so for a while, uh, I've been wrestling uh, with myself and with God about it um, because it's kind of hard. It's, it's kind of a challenge. Um, I want to show you guys a picture. This is a picture of me and my dad when I graduated from college uh, in 2012. I can't believe it's already been six years. Um, but it's in May of 2012. Uh, a little bit of backstory. Uh, my mom and dad got a divorce when I was three. They got married pretty young, and they had me, and then they had my brother, and then they got a divorce. And so we did what all kids of divorce do. We would do the, you know, every other weekend and one night a week type deal and rotate holidays. And um, that was the only thing that was, like, okay about if you're from divorce, you get this. You know, we got two Christmases, so that was okay. Uh, the rest of it, not quite so good. Um, but... Uh, He's a great guy. I love my dad. Um, he, he works really hard. Um, he's always done a, as much as he can to provide for my brother and I. And um, I love him. I absolutely love him. Whew. I thought the second time this would be easier, but it's not. Uh, but he doesn't know Jesus. Um, he, he doesn't really want anything to do with the Lord. Um, when he was a kid, my grandma, or his grandma, my great-grandma, would, would drag him and my aunt and my uncle to church because um, she was a she was a follower of Jesus, she desperately wanted them to to choose Christ. Uh, but but instead of experiencing this freedom that we talk about, he the place he was at, um, he just found this like rigid legalistic religiosity, and, and it really put a bad taste in his mouth about faith. And um, so he's not a Christian. And every time I, I share that, every time I think about it, I'm drawn to uh, this passage. That of the story Jesus told in Luke uh, chapter 16. This is what it says, starting in verse 19. It says, Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Now, this is a different Lazarus. This is just like a name from back then. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit behind, beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. 
the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, I have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. If you are like me and there's someone that you love that for whatever reason doesn't have a relationship with Christ, this is a really hard story. This is one of those hard things that we find in God's Word. You know, it, it absolutely crushes me to think that anyone, but more specifically, my dad, could miss out on all that God has for him. You see, one of God's most amazing gifts is also the hardest gift, I think. You see, you see, God offers us this thing called free will. Because to truly love someone, you have to allow them the choice to not want anything to do with you. As a, as a youth pastor, I, a lot of times, I, I really hope God has a sense of humor. I think he does. I really do. He, he gives me students that make fun of me, so he must have a sense of humor. But it's the hardest thing when you see someone that you love that just continually chooses not God, whatever that looks like. And it crushes me to think about that for my dad. And I want you to think about those people you love that don't know Christ, or, or maybe they know him, but they're not in the right place they need to be. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. This is a really uplifting message. We're getting there. You know, maybe that person knew Jesus, or maybe they know about Jesus, but they don't really know Jesus. They've been close to Jesus, maybe, but it, it has seemed like Jesus hasn't shown up in time. Well, that's exactly how Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, felt in our first Bible passage. So let's go back to John 11 real quick. This is what it says. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Mary was so heartbroken, she couldn't even face him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Later on, Mary has her interaction with Jesus. It says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They ask this question, this question a lot of us ask of God at different times in our life. They say, why weren't you here? Where were you, Jesus? God, this situation, it doesn't make sense. God, God I don't understand what you're doing. You knew what was going on, and yet you didn't make it. God, you know that person I care about. God, you know that situation, and, and yet something happened, and you didn't make it. So I was struggling with this message. I asked someone I really respect to pray for me, and I said, man, this is a hard message. 
I, I don't really know what to say all the time, and I'm really asking God to move in some different ways. And he said, Tyler, that's okay. He said, Jesus told stories and asked questions. And sometimes we preach and give answers. Here's the, I don't know the answer to that question. I want you to just ponder that question as we continue. I want to show you the other picture, another picture. Uh, this is Megan and I and my dad. Um, I did have hair, Zaria. But uh, here's the other picture I wanted to show you guys. And, and as I was working on this message, um, this is like two weeks after that other picture. We, Megan and I uh, had a really busy May in 2012. But as I was working on it, I realized something. That from the t- there are zero pictures of my dad and I from the time I was about seven until 22. You know, I saw him once a week at least. Saw him every other weekend. And yet we don't have any pictures together. You know, I love my dad. I really do. And, and this is not in any way intended to bash on him or his shortcomings. We all have shortcomings. We all screw up. But the truth is this, is that that he had the opportunity to make me a priority, and he chose not to. Uh, he came to one basketball game. I was in sixth grade. Uh, was not a starter, but I did play. You guys are laughing because you just imagined me as a great basketball player. I really believe if my dad would have come to every game, I would be like Steph Curry. You're going to feel bad here in a minute. Because he came and, and I got subbed in. I think my coach subbed me in midway through the first quarter because I was just annoying him like nobody's business. Like, coach, 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 just get in there. So I go in and I kid you not, I played the best quarter of basketball I've ever played in my life. I had like seven or eight points and had some rebounds, had some steals. I didn't embarrass myself. He, he, I actually was playing so well. He let me stay in at the beginning of the second quarter. I didn't get subbed out. And, and I did. Seriously, I gave it my all. My dad was there. And then at, when I got subbed out, I looked up and he was gone. That was the basketball game. Um, I made varsity tennis as a freshman. I played for three years. You guys saw my letter jacket a couple weeks ago. Didn't come to any of those games. Um, he did come to my college graduation. He, he did come to our wedding, um, but he's never heard me preach. Uh, he didn't come to my ordination last year. Uh, he didn't come to our gender reveal to find out uh, the gender of his first grandchild. Uh, he missed a lot. And the truth is this, is I love him, and I, I know he loves me. And like I said, I, this is in no way intended to bash on him at all. But, but the truth is this. And I've been praying for you guys this week that you would hear my heart. And so in the next little bit, if there's anything that is said that you have questions about, or you want to make sure you heard right, man, please come talk to me. I'd love to sit down with you. But trust me when I say this, God has something to say to us today. The truth is this about my dad. My dad loves me. But there's something he loves more. Probably the only time this picture will be on screen at church. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But he loves it. He thinks he loves it. Uh, His body can't function without it. 
You see, my basketball game in sixth grade, he had to leave because he had to keep his buzz going. Our wedding was great, but he, he couldn't stick around for very long at the reception because our reception was dry. I hate it because it absolutely and totally controls his life. Because there is this thing that tells him that he cannot function without it. Because his body needs it. I'll never forget uh, the first time I drove. I uh, was 11, I think, 11 or 12. Uh, first time I drove on the road, like we all drive, you know, before that. We had gone to my, my grandparents' house for a family function uh, in the summer. And my dad, uh, bless his heart. You know, in church, if you say bless his heart, that means you can say whatever you want after. Bless his heart. Um, he got drunk. And he could not drive home. And so here I am, 11, 12 years old, hands me the keys. I was so scared. He's puking his guts out in the passenger seat. And I'm trying to drive home. And I'm praying a lot of things. We made it. We got home. Um, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Uh, When I was 14, I got my first cell phone. And I for like weeks, wouldn't give my dad my number. Because once he got it, every night, who does he call? Me. I love him, but if, and I love you guys, but if you try to call me on Wednesdays after like 6 p.m. until we're done with youth group, my phone's usually off because that's usually the time he calls. And I kind of need to focus on to bring God's word. You know, he always said, I love you. I remember many times driving and him telling me how much he loved me. He always apologized the next day for the things he said or did when he was incoherent. You see, this thing that he loves is killing him. And I don't say that lightly, like that's not just a figure of speech. He really is dying. Um, In the last year, year and a half, he's lost a ridiculous amount of weight. Um... I really believe that that his liver is shutting down. I think he's dying of cirrhosis of the liver. Uh, We've offered, Megan and I have offered to take him to the doctor. We've offered to do anything we can. But he he refuses uh, to go. Now also hear me in this. I'm not saying one drink makes you an awful person and you're going to hell or you're a sinner or anything like that. Jesus drank real wine. But what I am saying is this, is what does it do to us? You know, I, I told First Service, I, uh, they thought it was funny, so hopefully you will. I don't watch a Victoria's Secret fashion show for a lot of reasons, mainly because I would be out at Fort Scott Lake. My wife would end me if I did. But we choose not to do that as a couple. Why? Because every week we meet beautiful young ladies who are told they have to look a certain way or present themselves in a certain way. And we refuse to support an industry that tells them that. I refuse to support this because I have yet to find a situation in which it does not risk destroying someone's life. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Getting through it. And then... I read verses in God's word like these two that are really, really hard. 
Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Then in James 2, 12 and 13, it says this. It says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so I read that and I I have to reconcile this, this. How do I forgive this person that has hurt me so deeply? How do I ask God to forgive me for blaming him? You know, I, I struggle with this too because it's, Here's the truth is I want my dad to experience the full freedom found in Christ. I want my dad to understand that no matter what he's done, that there is a God that loves him and was willing to leave heaven for him. Because you know what? That God did that for me. Because, yeah, I've never went under the influence beat on anybody, thrown beer cans at them or done all sorts of crazy stuff. But man, in my sin, have I hurt people? Absolutely. You know, my dad and I really bonded when I was about 15, uh, 16 actually. 12 years ago today, um, I lost some friends and a teacher in a really tragic accident. And it was weird. Uh, Zaria, you're going to laugh at this one too. Uh, my sophomore year of high school, I don't know what happened. You guys that are at a new school, you get it. It's weird. Sometimes people, you're like, I don't understand this person. Whatever. I was not an athlete. I played tennis, y'all. I was not an athlete. But my friends were athletes, and I had fun, and, and they started inviting me to hang out, and I, like, became popular. Weird. I still don't understand it, but it really did happen. But um, I lost some friends, and I was so upset with God for that and for all the stuff with my dad where I felt like he'd never been here. So I said, you know what, God? I'm done with this, man. Like, this is not working out. I'm done. I'm going to try things my own way. So for the next two years, I lived a life that did not point to Christ. I found that, you know what? Sometimes if you want to forget things, there are ways that you can do that. I try to find my worth in relationships. Did all sorts of stuff I'm not proud of. Let me tell you this. The the truth about sin is this, is it always overpromises and underdelivers, And it always takes you further than you want to go. And makes you stay a lot longer than you ever planned on. So I had to be forgiven. And maybe in your situation, whatever it is, if you have a situation like mine or something else. But let me tell you some truth about forgiveness, though, because I don't want you to mishear that forgiveness does not mean these things. It does not mean forgetting. It doesn't mean fully restoring trust. It doesn't always mean reconciliation. It doesn't mean you have to have a lack of boundaries. It doesn't mean you make excuses or overlook the hurt. Uh, This one was the hardest for me. It is the hardest for me. It, It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you deserved it or it was God's plan. It means we live in a broken world and God allows us free will and sometimes we abuse that. You know, Jesus understood this more than anybody else. And so in John eleven thirty three, 33, he sees Martha and, and Mary and they go to the tomb and it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see Lord. They replied, and Jesus does something amazing. And he, he's so moved by the pain of the people he loves, by their hurt, he weeps. Jesus wept. The shortest and most important verse in the Bible. 
that He understands our pain. That when we hurt, He hurts. He wept. In John 38, in in verse 38, it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor in there, for he has been there for four days. If you have the King James Version, it says, for he stinketh. I'm going to team camp for a week. That verse is going to be quoted a lot. Pray for us. But then Jesus says this, it says, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, I also believe in some things. And that verse says, if we believe, we will see the glory of God. It may not always look the way we think, but we will. I believe in these people. I believe in this place. I believe that God wants to do things we cannot ask or imagine because I've seen what happens when people get serious about Christ. The reason that we are growing, the reason that people are coming to know Christ in new ways here at FSN is not because we have an awesome senior pastor, and we do. It's not because we have a great worship pastor, and we do. It's not because we have the best-looking children's pastor of all time, and we do. (laughs) But it's because we are a people who are real enough to admit when we don't understand, and we're real enough to say we believe. I believe God's going to do something crazy next summer. This thing called Nazarene Youth Conference, it happens once every four years. Uh, high school students get to go. There's 10,000 high school students praising Jesus, doing mission trips, hearing amazing speakers. It's a life-changing experience. And I believe God wants us to take our students. And I've been praying about it, and I'm scared to do this because it, I don't want it to be misconstrued. But, but I believe this. I believe, God, I believe we're going to raise $20,000 to help our students go to camp and to NYC. I don't know how it's going to happen. It's a good thing I'm not good at math, but I believe it. Why? Because I've seen what happens when we have people come to me every week and say, I don't care. We want to send these kids to camp. Let's get it done. Because we believe Jesus can do it. You know, if I had my way, I would go to every single activity that our students do ever. I love it. It's my favorite thing. Fellas, I love watching you guys play basketball. I just can't sit by Michelle because we both get too loud and then we get in trouble. And my wife texts me and says, are you being good? But I love it. Man, because no matter where you're from, some of you guys are a long way from home. I want you to look over in those stands and see this balding 28-year-old man reliving his glory days, saying, you know what? I will fight for those guys because they're my people. I want our students to be able to look up in that crowd and see someone that loves them, someone that is there for them, someone that will be there for them at their dance recitals and their choir concerts and their softball games. You know, we're having a baby, crazy, and I am so excited, but I'm also terrified. I think that's normal for new dads, but I just want to be a good dad. We want to be good spiritual moms and dads, the teens and the kids that we love. If we had our way, we would adopt every single one of them that needs a place to stay. We would pay for them all to go to college. We would feed them every day. We would help them experience the love of Christ. 
Jesus understood this. In Luke chapter 23, it says this. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here's the truth. All of us have sinned. All of us have screwed up. All of us deserve death. Because of verses like this in Romans 3, 23 and 24, it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Romans 6, 23 says this. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He knew this. The criminal knew he did not deserve it. We all have to get to a place where we say, you know what? I don't deserve this. God, I've put me above you. My thing may not be Miller Lite, but my thing has been in wrong order. And then Jesus says something awesome. These are my two favorite verses in the Bible. I'm preaching them in one sermon. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And this, Luke 23, 43. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today... You will be with me in paradise. One of mine and Megan's good friends, they're they're pastors at a church in our district. When they were still with us at Highway, her dad had been an alcoholic his entire life. And he got really sick. He he was dying. And he, about a month before he died, he, he asked God to forgive his sins. He became a Christian. Coolest, one of the coolest funerals I've ever been to was getting, being able to tell this story of this man who everyone thought was unlovable, unforgivable. Those criminals had been told by the Roman government they were not worth living anymore. Their deeds deserve death, but Jesus is better. And so this man, he he died, and I, I remember going to hospice and visiting with him and being with his family, and I'll never forget. He would just continually repeat, I wish I had more time, I wish I had more time, I wish I had more time. One of the last times that he was coherent enough to talk, his daughter was there and she'd asked us, myself and one of the other pastors, to be there with them and pray and kind of help in those really holy, somber moments. And he just kept saying, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm sorry, forgive me. She said, Dad, I forgive you. I love you. And he knew that, but he had wasted time. You know, for every person that waits for that last moment, a lot of us don't get that. And more than that, God didn't come for us to have heaven then. He comes so he can bring heaven now. So we can experience it now. See, he can take us from four days in the grave to a life touched by Christ. From the stink of death and decay to the freedom of no longer wearing grave clothes. It can happen. So we've got to ask ourselves a couple questions. What about me? What's my life say? Because all of our lives tell a story. 
Am I doing everything I can to point people to Jesus? Does my life speak to Christ's transforming power? Is it obvious that there's something different about me, or do people just wonder if I go to church? Uh, one of the last times I was in Parsons, one of my brother's friends, I bumped into him at Walmart, and he came up to me, and he was like, hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing good. You know, we're talking a little bit. And he said, so what are you doing now, brother? I said, well, actually, I'm, I'm living in Fort Scott. I'm a pastor. He said, oh, what? Didn't really say what, but we're in church. He said, you? And man, it it crushed me. I said, yeah. I said, here's the thing, man. When we were in high school, I wasn't living right. I said, I need to ask you to forgive me. Because my life was not different. Because I was hurting and I was trying to process stuff, but but I I tried to find it somewhere else. I said, will you forgive me? We kind of talked and you know how those conversations go when it starts to get serious. He was like, yeah, yeah, well, hey, man, I got to go. I was like, well, hey, brother, you know, you're welcome to come anytime. I'd love to talk to you. I'm praying for you. He said, that's awesome, man. Thank you. Man, I, the, the hardest scene for me in the movie is at the very end. He's singing this song, and he, he gets a vision of his dad in, in paradise. He gets a vision of his dad in the glory of God. And for someone who's on this side of that miracle, that's really hard. It's hard if if you're a child of someone who doesn't know Christ or the family member doesn't. It's hard, right, when you see other people do it because you're like, I don't understand. I want that so bad for my dad. I want that so bad for the people that we love that don't know Christ. I want that so bad for everyone in this room and all the kids in there and everyone in this community. That's why we do this, so we can work together to help people come to know Christ. And I know you want that for the people you love. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you haven't ever taken that step to be like, you know what, God, I'm all in. God, I'm ready to take this final step because I want my life to point people to you because I want to experience that freedom because this hurt, because this hang up, because that person, that thing that person did or that, that hurt I caused, there's this, there's this block. Man, don't wait. God says, do it here and now. Experience freedom. Experience freedom that makes you be able to forgive the person that hurt you and pray for them to come to know Christ. It's worth it, I promise. So I want to ask you a couple questions. Have, have you taken the steps to process or to heal? You'll see on the communication card today, there's just a little box that says, I'd like to talk to somebody. Man, if there's some stuff that this has brought up, we would, we're here for you. We would be there to talk to you. When I got serious about my faith right after I graduated high school, my pastor and I met, and he did one of the most beautiful things anyone's ever done for me. I was telling him my story with my dad and some other stuff. And he said, Tyler, I love you. And so we met, and then there was stuff that he couldn't help me with. And so he helped me get connected with a Christian counselor that I met with for a long time. Helped me learn how to process, helped me deal with my things that trigger. And we want to do that for you. We want to help you find that freedom. If it's healthy, have you talked to those people? You know, my dad knows that he screwed up. Told him it in love. But you know what? I, I don't care if my dad knows he screwed up. I want him to know he can be forgiven. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Father, I pray for everyone here that they would hear your truth today. 
God, in, in a group this size, there's people that are dealing with hurts like my hurt or hurts even worse than I could ever imagine. And God, I pray right now you would help them feel your presence. God, I pray that, that you would help us to understand that we are not unlovable or unforgivable, that no one is past your grace, that God, we can go from dead and buried and being stinky to being found, being freed, being forgiven. God, I pray you'd help us this week. I pray for everyone here, those people that are coming to our minds that don't know you, that you would help us to live our lives in such a way that we point people to you above all else. God, you are so incredibly good to us. We love you so much. God, I pray if anybody's here that hasn't taken that step to know you, that they would visit with one of us today, that they would talk to somebody, that they would know that they can find that freedom in you. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody says, amen. Have a great week.